Welcome to The Proper Car. I'm Drew Markey, your car ally. I'm an automotive enthusiast and industry expert. This podcast will help you make better purchases, avoid getting ripped off, and find ways to enjoy car ownership. All right, let's get started. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so grateful to have a bunch of new listeners. And I figured it's probably time to do a little bit of a reintroduction. I'm Drew Markey, the one person behind everything that is the proper car, both in terms of this podcast, as well as the small business that I run in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I am a lifelong car enthusiast with over a decade of experience working within the automotive industry. I've held roles in sales and service prior to starting my own business, where I offer used car brokerage, consignment sales, as well as a variety of services to help car shoppers and car owners so that they can get the most out of their cars and improve the shopping experience when they are looking to purchase. Today's main topic will be on a subject that comes up often when people try to hang on to a car as long as possible, the dreaded expensive repair bill. We're going to get into that topic in a few minutes, though. For now, I wanted to talk about a piece of car industry news that feels like something many might find interesting, and one where my opinion may surprise some of you. The new Toyota Prius. Maybe this is the first you're hearing about the completely redesigned Prius, or possibly you're already tired of hearing about it. Either way, I just wanted to share a few thoughts about it because I think I have a unique perspective on the importance of this new model. After all, the Prius has become one of the most symbolic cars released over the last 20 years, which is kind of astounding to consider. It has always been seen as this kind of basic, dorky, green car. It's only really owned by people that are more interested in reducing their carbon footprint than enjoying what they drive. With electric cars stealing the spotlight for the last few years and a huge growth in the number of options in the EV, hybrid, and plug-in hybrid space, Prius sales started to fall off. I find that really interesting too because it's the car that best suits the actual needs and goals of a shocking number of car buyers. The Prius is truly one of the best cars on the market if your goal is to have one car that can kind of do it all. Room for four adults and a big hatchback to carry just about anything most of us ever need to fit inside a car, plenty of modern safety features, and a bunch of packages to offer both budget-friendly options as well as pretty well-equipped near-luxury appointments. The reason I outlined those things first is because that's such a huge part of what drives the CUV and SUV sales. Lots of those cars are being bought because of their do-it-all capabilities. But the reality is that the other main selling points, which are taller ride height and the option of all-wheel drive are seen as very important, even if they don't actually provide much in the way of added safety, as most assume they do. 
And those selling points come at the cost of really good fuel economy, which happens to be very high on the priority list of most car buyers. So this is why I'm happy to see that Toyota has chosen to keep the Prius in their lineup and that they've gone to great lengths to make it a desirable car to own. And yeah, you heard that right, a car enthusiast just described the new Prius as a desirable car. They've designed it to be more efficient as well as more appealing looking with character that it's never had in the past. On top of that, it's a pretty powerful car, which is not a classic Prius trait. It's available in all-wheel drive for people who need or who think they need the added traction that that offers. And the combination of these improvements makes it a pretty appealing car. Lots of people are considering buying an electric car when they replace what they currently have. But in many of their cases, I've found that a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid is actually far better suited to their needs now and in the near future. With the massive battery packs that are required to allow fully electric cars to achieve long ranges, it makes them much more expensive. They're a bigger drain on our resources than can really be justified based on how most of them are typically used. And the infrastructure is still a long way off from making daily use of an electric car more manageable. Cars like the new Prius are the actual answer most people are looking for. The question is going to be if people can get past the image of a Prius to consider purchasing one. All right, I haven't really done any car reviews in the past. I haven't focused in on any specific cars other than using them as examples in some of the kind of more conversational things that I'll bring up or examples that I'll use. And while I wouldn't say this is in any way a review, and it probably comes across as some sort of a sales pitch for me trying to really uh, push people toward this car, I mostly just like the idea of a Prius being even better for the average car buyer and something that many people would really be kind of happy with, proud of owning. And the fact that it would suit so many people's actual needs from their car while giving them some of the things that they are interested in in terms of design and and features as well. In so many cases, when I speak to people about their car needs, they come in with a specific car in mind where they have some sort of an idea of what they think they're looking for. And when we start to dig into what the uses are for their car right now or what they think that they'll be using a car for in the near future, we find that a lot of times there are other things that could be considered. Sometimes they're more expensive, sometimes they're less expensive. Oftentimes, though, we look at what are the most important things on a day-to-day -day basis. What do you primarily use your car for? And in so many people's situations, they are telling me that, yeah, 90% of the time, I use the car in this way. And that's so often completely matched to what 
Toyota and other brands have done in making these hybrid types of cars. They check as many boxes as possible and one of the most important ones being the fuel economy that they offer. While many people have said that that's an incredibly important thing with their vehicle purchases, the trends are showing that what they're actually buying uh, are cars that don't really achieve great fuel economy. Even some of the CUVs on the road today that are more focused on that can still only get somewhere in the mid to high 20s as some sort of an average. When you get to larger SUVs and trucks and things that we see a lot of these days, that number drastically drops. Comparing that to what you can get out of something along the lines of a Prius, you see much more like mid-50s for your miles per gallon. And in overall cost of ownership, if you plan on using your car, um, you know, the average number of miles or more, those types of numbers add up significantly. They become a huge difference in your total cost of operating your car. So I say all of this because I know it's come across as a bit of a sales pitch of the Prius or of hybrids. And I guess that's kind of intentional. Uh, but either way, I, I do want to try to be as unbiased as possible. The goal of the proper car is to listen to what uh, your needs are, what you're looking for, and to try to help guide you to the car that is closest matched to what those things are. Hopefully this gave you a little bit of an insight. Uh, if it's the type of thing that you find interesting, I would be happy to cover more of this on other cars in the market, highlighting some of the cars that I think do the best job uh, at any of these different things, whether it is utility that you need or fuel economy or you're considering electric. So let me know. Give me a little bit of feedback. Uh, there's information on how you can do that at the end of this podcast. And for now, I think we've probably covered enough on this topic. Let's go ahead and get into the main topic of today's podcast. I'd say it's a pretty well-known fact that keeping your car as long as possible is one of the best ways to minimize your overall car expenses. I actually plan on doing an episode very soon that's going to go into much greater detail about all the reasons why this is the case, because it's really helpful to have some proof when you're trying to make big financial decisions like car purchases or keeping a car. And that's why I wanted to go ahead and in this episode talk about the topic of dealing with expensive repairs that come up with your car. There's a lot to consider when you find yourself stuck with a vehicle that doesn't currently work and won't until you fork out some serious cash for repairs. One of the first things that usually comes up when stuck with this decision is whether it's worth it to do a big repair or if you think you'd be better off putting that money down toward your next car. I think this is a great consideration to make and I want to go ahead and start with that point. When is a repair too expensive to be justified? There are lots of factors to consider when answering that question. The first one I go to is, of course, going to be the cost of the repair. 
let's say you've got a blown head gasket and it's done enough damage that the shop is giving you a couple of options. One being to replace the cylinder head completely and the other being to swap in a used motor. Each of these options might cost you about the same amount of money um, and it's going to be thousands of dollars. And for a lot of cars, it's probably going to be somewhere in the ballpark of $4,000. So we'll just use that as a simple round number. Now that you know that repair cost though, the next thing I would look into isn't really actually the value of your car, although that will come next. What I'd want to know next is what else does the car need now or will it need in the near future? Maybe you've been holding off on replacing the axles, but you knew that it was going to be needed pretty soon. And there's also that sporadic issue you've been dealing with, with some electronics in the car that they've quoted you a repair on, but until it becomes a little more common or it leaves you stranded, it's not something that you were going to deal with. Let's say that those items add up to $2,000. Now to add to that, you're also getting pretty close to the end of tire life and your brake pads are going to be due soon. And right now you're looking at an extra $1,500 to take care of those maintenance items that are going to have to be addressed pretty soon. So to get your car running again, you're spending four grand. But to sort out all of the other upcoming repairs, as well as addressing the maintenance that you might as well do since you've put that kind of money into the car and plan on continuing to drive it, you have a total of $7,500 that you're going to need to spend on your car pretty soon. And now that's when we get into that kind of cost comparison of what is your car worth versus what these repairs are going to add up to. The value of your car can kind of be hard to determine, especially in a situation like this. You can certainly look into the book values of your car. You can look around and see what other people are selling them for. And I would definitely advise that you consider that. But there's other things to consider. Maybe you only paid two grand for it uh, and you've had it for a couple of years and it's really probably only worth even now maybe another thousand to two thousand dollars in repaired condition if that's the case then yeah i would probably say it's not really a good idea to put that kind of money into it that money will make a much bigger dent in you know the purchase price of another car or even the financing amount that you have to take on for something even newer now if you bought it five years ago you paid 20 grand for it and you paid it off just last year. And if you'd like to be able to go as long as possible without a car payment, then I would say that's a situation where the repairs become much more reasonable to consider. And the reason why there's so many factors here is that there's always a chance that maybe this car has sentimental value to you or it's a car that you just really love to drive and you would have a lot of trouble finding a replacement that other than these repairs being needed has been as well taken care of as the one that you're driving now. These are all cases where you're gonna lean much more heavily on the idea of doing the repairs. 
And while I'd suggest just being cautious about being too intent on keeping a car uh, when it starts to reach the point of having these very high repair bills versus a realistically low value, those are decisions that you're going to have to make on your own. I don't generally recommend doing repairs to a car that exceed the amount you would be able to sell it for. So in the example given, if you would struggle to sell the car for the amount that you're about to put into just the repairs, $6,000, then it might be worthwhile to search for a replacement. One of the big reasons I suggest this is that a car that has lots of age and mileage on it, enough that you know puts you in a position of major components maybe needing to be replaced, is much more likely to have other large issues pop up before too long. This is where it gets hard to predict though, and you really have to fall back on how the overall experience with the car has been. What other issues seem to have been popping up recently and, and lots of other factors. If you're in for this big engine repair or engine replacement, but you've noticed that the transmission's been shifting harder over the past few months, then you should certainly be thinking about that because you run the risk of having another very significant repair come up before too long. It might not completely turn you away from the idea of doing the repairs. Maybe you could bundle those items, uh, like in the case of getting that engine replacement done by using used parts from another car. You might be able to make a purchase of an engine and transmission that are pulled from the same car together and installed in yours in one piece, which as a result would eliminate lots of added labor and probably doesn't actually cost you a whole lot more money when you do it that way. But as is always the case, every situation is unique. So that's just one kind of extreme situation that could come up. Either way, there are a few more points to make before you go about making this decision. The next one being, how are you planning on paying for the repairs? If you don't have the cash on hand to pay for that large repair bill, then probably you're going to be thinking about some sort of credit card or other credit-based options like taking out a personal loan or using a line of credit. These options aren't all inherently bad, but they do have some big drawbacks. The interest that is charged on a credit card is significantly higher than what you would see on the average car loan. Even with rates on car loans being up from what we've seen in the past, credit cards are quite a bit higher. So if you're about to put $7,500 onto a credit card, so that you can keep driving this older car, you might want to consider what a used car loan would look like as an alternative. Maybe you go buy a $10,000 car and finance $8,000 of the balance, which means you're putting a little bit more money on credit than if you had just swiped a card and had those repairs addressed on the other car. But the difference in the interest that you would be paying might be pretty significant. And your monthly payments, as long as you aren't comparing what you would be paying if you just paid a minimum balance on a credit card, would probably be very different as well. 
the car you're taking out a loan on would also likely be newer with less miles than the car that is in need of these repairs. Although obviously that's not always guaranteed to be the case. But if you find yourself spending similar money to have a car which is newer, lower miles, less likely to put you up against a situation of having big repairs versus putting that money on a credit card to repair an older car, these are all things that you should be thinking about. The other point to make around the way that you pay for the repairs is to consider what it will do to your cash on hand if you were to pay cash. If you have $8,000 in the bank and not a penny more, and you shell out $7,500 for repairs and maintenance to get your car back on the road, you're putting yourself into a very risky position. One more unexpected expense, be it to the car, your home, a medical bill, or plenty of other unexpected things that could put you in a spot where you don't have the ability to pay for that. And you're going to find yourself not in a very good place. It's not a position where you could just sell the car and get all of that cash back right away. So that's not really something I would ever suggest either. With all of these points being made to advise you to proceed with caution around doing large repairs, you're probably wondering how in the world this is ever the right solution. As I mentioned earlier, we'll dive into the topic more on an upcoming episode about dealing with repair costs versus the overall expenses when you buy and sell cars on a more regular basis. But I should probably note that many repair bills that are still significant don't reach the amounts that I've used as an example in today's podcast. There's a lot of times where it might be a $2,500 fix that's able to get your car back on the road, or maybe less. And I've incorporated maintenance into this total budget today because I don't want it to be forgotten about, especially if you've already put that money into these big expensive repairs just to keep your car on the road. It's kind of going to be pointless if you don't have any money to address the maintenance items that it's going to need as well. But if you've got a car that you paid off a couple of years ago and it's still worth a decent amount of money, those one to $3,000 repairs are really just part of ownership and are actually how you can keep your overall expenses down in the long run. As you can tell, there are always lots of things to consider when making decisions around car ownership. It's something most Americans take part in, but very few really understand what all can come up along the way. Hopefully this topic helped you plan ahead and both my past and some future episodes will be a great way for you to be more aware and prepared so that you can enjoy car ownership rather than always feeling like you're caught off guard when issues like a big repair bill pop up. All right, now we've reached the final portion of today's episode. And as a reminder of what's been discussed in today's main topic, each situation is unique when considering how to be smart about how you spend money on your cars. Typically, keeping a car for a long time is the most effective use of that portion of your budget. 
but it can bring some bigger expenses up from time to time. Considering the overall condition of your car, what else it might be needing soon, and the value if you were to sell it even after doing those repairs are all great ways to make sure you make wise decisions. There comes a time for most cars when big repairs are just no longer justifiable. But if you take care of your car and address issues as they pop up along the way and stay on top of your maintenance as well, you'll still get the most life out of it until that time does eventually come up when it's no longer realistic to be paying for big repairs. If you have questions about this topic or would like to talk to someone about your own big repair dilemma, a car purchase, or other ownership-related questions, please reach out to me at podcast at thepropercar.com. I would love to help you. If you found this information helpful or if you do work with me one-on-one and would like to support me so that I can continue to help you and others with car needs, please visit thepropercar.com slash thank you, where you can pay what you can or pay what feels fair for my guidance and services. Options range from a $5 buy me a coffee option to larger amounts for more in-depth services. And you have the option to customize the amount by selecting any quantity that you wish on any of the dollar amounts that are available to make sure that you can reach an amount that you feel is fair. As has been mentioned a couple times in today's episode, on next week's podcast, we're gonna compare the cost of ownership for someone who buys a car and keeps it long-term versus a couple of other options when people buy cars more frequently. No matter your preference, there's gonna be a lot to learn. If you've enjoyed this episode or any of my other content, please consider subscribing and share it with people that you know who may benefit from this kind of knowledge. My goal is to help as many people as possible with car buying and ownership to be your car ally, and I appreciate your help spreading the word. Thanks for listening, and until next time, enjoy the drive.